you know, right before I get to my uh, message, you know, I got to say, uh, been on my heart for a while of doing a week of prayer and fasting in the church. Um, Becky and Dave, they talked with me uh, months ago about it. And it just so happened like that very week, God was speaking to my heart about doing something as a church. So they were like, they're telling me about like first of the year, something their family always does is like, I want us to do this. Now, you'll notice in your, in your bulletin, um, it's really a week of prayer fasting. It's just five days. Five days. We're asking you to skip at least one meal and then to be off electronics for entertainment. The idea is to empty ourselves out so God can pour in. I truly believe so much of social media is designed to numb you against things you should really be passionate about and to make you passionate about things that either don't matter or you or you don't have any control over. So many people are wanting to change the world, but they can't even make their own bed. We as a people of God, we want to empty ourselves out so God can pour in. Um, With that said, I'm going to go ahead and read this morning's scripture. Would you please stand for the reading of God's word? You can turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 and 15. Then we'll skip over to Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 and 15. Then the disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guest mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and they will fast. Down to Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. Now then... Um, Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simon, who who is also called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menon, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barabbas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Lord God, I pray that you would bless your word to our hearts today. Open up the eyes of our hearts, open up the eyes of our minds, Lord God, that we may see you clearly and not just be hearers of your words, but be doers of your word. Guide us in the paths of your righteousness for your name's sake. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. So today, to to inaugurate this week of prayer and fasting, we're going to be talking about fasting. First, I've got a video about the skinny on fasting. I I think fasting's awesome. I mean, where else can you combine spirituality and dieting all in the same way? I mean, I think it's bound wrap, pound for pound it does. You know, people think it's for monks or supermodels and stuff like that. But I'm here to tell you it's for everybody. Last summer, I had a 20-year reunion slash barbecue slash swim party to go to, and I'd done but had to drop about 85 pounds. So thanks to fasting, what has two thumbs and look good in a swimsuit? This guy. Thank you, Jesus. Fasting? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's great to uh, skip a meal or two so you can hear God's voice better, you know? Stay plugged into him. Yeah. You know, some people uh, fast from phones and music and gadgets. But that's that's not a sacrifice. That's that's not even biblical. I mean, that that's crazy talk. You know, I mean, God gave us this stuff so we could stay plugged into Him, maximize our lives. It also keeps us busy enough to never be still or quiet. Are you even a Christian? I dare you to fast from your phone for one minute. <laughs> In, fine, minute. You got it. No biggie. I don't care. I probably should take that. I fast. Okay, that's a total lie. I don't even fast at all. Okay, I want to. Another lie. Don't even think about it. Deal is, I'm hypoglycemic and diabetic, and that's not even close to the truth at all, okay? Hey, even the Bible says, he who hopes dies fasting, right? Right? Okay, Benjamin Franklin said that right before he died. Bottom line, fasting makes me hungry. Are we almost uh, done? Hello, I'm Brett Johansson, and I believe that fasting is one of the greatest spiritual disciplines one can achieve in their faith. 
When my family or friends invite me to go to lunch, I gently remind them and passive-aggressively admonish them by reminding them, did you not get my fasting notification email? Oh, that I had the luxury to eat lunch like you do. <laughs> Every year around Easter, I go through a 40-day fast to heighten my sensation of the Easter holiday. This year, however, I've decided to tack on 10 extra days. <laughs> so by the time we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, I will have been fasting for 50 whole days. If I survive. In my fast, I have a very rigid schedule. And if you do not have a rigid schedule, then God does not approve. Some people like to cheat and they drink flavored waters and juices within the fast. You must be drinking unfiltered well water. And if you do not drink unfiltered well water, God does not approve. In the afternoon, I put a cone of silence around me. I do not talk to anyone. Yes, that does annoy people. Yes, it does anger my coworkers. I am persecuted within my fast. And if you are not persecuted within the fast, God does not approve. When I get home, I go straight straight to my prayer closet. I do not talk to my wife. I do not play with the kids. I let them fend for themselves. And if the kids do not fend for themselves and the wife does not get talked to, God does not approve. You know what? I'm going to ask nice one more time and then I am not in control of what happens, okay? So give me the phone. Okay, fine. Oh. I need the phone. I, I need to call. So that was the skinny on fasting from the skit guys there. The topic of fasting is a pervasive one, both the Old and New Testament. It was the norm amongst the religious elite and even common among the, uh, among the people as well. In the verse from Matthew that I read to you today, it was surprising, not that John's disciples or the Pharisees were fasting, but that Jesus' disciples were not. The Greek word for fasting is neto, um, which means, and here's your big, deep theological truth for the day, um, the Greek word, what it means is to abstain from food. That's all it means. Fasting is not a uniquely Christian concept. It's a concept that was around long before the time of Jesus and, and uh, in other parts of the world as well. Many people, many cultures would use fasting as a way, um, as a way to gain spiritual power, insight, and wisdom. What makes godly fasting special is the reason and the heart of the person. It's not, a, it's about denying ourselves in one area to focus on God in another. We can fast more than food since the heart of fasting is looking at something and telling it, the Lord is better. Missionary Paul Washer said, fasting is about one passion driving out the other. You saw in the skinny of fasting here, all these different wrong ways of seeing fasting. Of the legalist who wants to, um, who wants to make sure everything, every, every I is dotted, every T is crossed, much like the Pharisees who admonishes Jesus' own disciples for just taking ears of, ears of wheat and crushing them in their hands and eating them. You have somebody, you have other people who just straight up lie about fasting. You have other people who uh, use it as a way of gaining some kind of spiritual pride. But godly fasts are so much different than this, than just simply abstaining from food. It's not so much about subtracting food, but it's adding greater focus, a greater passion for God. When Jesus was asked why his disciples are not fasting, he tells the messengers, basically, they have nothing, they have nothing to fast about. The bridegroom is with them. The bridegroom is with them. Wow, this changes the idea about fasting. The fasting is not about me. Fasting is not about personal um, aggrandizement, personal improvement, but fasting really, it has everything to do with Jesus Christ. See, when Jesus Christ was with them, they had no reason to fast for the bridegroom was with them. He's using the analogy of betrothment ceremony in his day. You would have a betrothment made, you'd have an engagement set, and you would have the bridegroom. He would then go away, and he'd go to his father's house. He'd add on an addition. And when the father gave the go-ahead, the addition was good, he'd come back for his bride. So that's why Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my father's house, there are many rooms. In the King James, it's many mansions. I go there to prepare a place for you. 
That is what Christ means there. So while he was here, his disciples did not fast. But when he was taken from them, when, while we wait his return, that is why we fast. Because we are desperate for the, king, the advancement of the kingdom of God. The people of God fast because the kingdom has come, but it has not yet come in its entirety. Fasting for the believer comes down to this quote I heard from Pastor John Piper. Fasting is the physical exclamation point at the end of a sentence. I need you. Let me say that again. Fasting is the physical exclamation point at the, sen- at the end of the sentence. I need you. So fasting is not a work. It's not an obligation. It's not a burden. But it's our great desire, our passion. I need the Lord. I need Jesus. It's the ache of every longing heart to see the Lord return in the clouds that one day I will see my God with my eyes just as I see him today with my heart. When talking about fasting or any spiritual discipline, it's important to understand it's like walking on a razor blade. It's easy to fall from one side to another. In fasting, it's very easy just to ignore fasting completely because we're not literally commanded to fast. If you don't fast this week, I mean, I, I am suggesting, I am hoping you do, I'm proclaiming a fast, but God will not count it against you as sin, but you will miss out on the blessing of God as well. It's not, it's not a sin. So any spiritual discipline, so we can just ignore it, and that would be one thing we're missing out on the blessing, or we then make it into a self-imposed curse, taking what God meant for our blessing and turning it into a curse by being legalistic, using it for pride or some other reason. So let me talk about a few areas in the scripture where that, that, that explains what fasting is not. It is not a source of pride. In Matthew chapter, chapter 6, Jesus has a trifecta of don't be like these guys, these guys being the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who are very legalistic, He makes commands and statements about giving, praying, and fasting. When you give, do so in secret. Do not let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Don't be like the hypocrites, he says, who wanted everybody to know, here, look at my benevolence. Look at what I am doing. And they need that, they need that affirmation from other people. He says, he says to them, they already have their reward. And, uh, In prayer, he says, don't be like the hypocrites who need to be seen by everybody. That it's not really a good prayer unless you really make a big show of it. I've I've, uh, had the, you know, I love getting together to pray with other people. And there's such a camaraderie there. One thing that really just rubs me the wrong way is the person in the prayer meeting who always has to be heard over everybody else. Hopefully that's not you or anybody here. And I, hopefully I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not subtweeting at anybody here, so to speak, um, or anything like that. But it makes it, makes, it takes away the joy of praying together. And uh, Jesus says, don't be like the Pharisees who need to be out on the street corner. And he says, for fasting, it's the same way. You don't need to show everybody. You don't need to go around like Eeyore being like, oh, oh, my stomach. You know, the, the Pharisees, they, they really went, they went the whole nine yards, so to speak, with this. Not only would they go around all looking dejected, moaning and stuff like that. I'm fasting today. They, some of them, the really hardcore ones, they would mix oil with ashes and then they would cover themselves in ashes. So you knew that they were fasting. He says, when we fast, we are to, we are to, It's probably one of the few times in scriptures where it tells us to take notice of our appearance, to make sure that we are not all disheveled and people know that we are fasting. I remember as an early on as a believer, first first book of the Bible I read was the book of Matthew, in which we have this admonishment from the Lord about fasting. So when I would fast, I was kind of like terrified to even go to school because I didn't want anybody, somebody to ask me why I'm not eating. It's like, I don't want to tell you. (laughs) Don't ask me these questions. I don't want to lose my reward. I remember so early on in my faith, and I pray it's still the same way today. I'm so desperate not to lose my reward. You will lose your reward if fasting is about you instead of about the Lord. Dieting. Fasting is not about dieting. While intermediate fasting and fasting from certain foods, in fact, all of dieting can be seen as fasting because you are not eating one food and you're eating some other food, no matter what kind of fast it is, unless it's a seafood fast in which you see the food and you eat the food. Um, That would be the only kind of fasting, that'd be the only kind of diet that would not be fasting. But fasting, the spiritual fast, the godly fast that we are talking about is not that kind of fasting because it's not about us. It's not about, 
It's not about that. If it is about that, if it's about your health, then you've received your reward here on earth. It wasn't for the Lord. It, was, it wasn't for the Lord. It was for you, for your own health. A biblical fast is about bringing glory to God. The whole focus of him not getting, uh, the whole focus is him not getting ready, ready for swimsuit season like the uh, guy on there. It's also not about coercing God, coercing God. About trying to force God to do something he's not otherwise inclined to do. In Isaiah 58, the Lord really takes Judah to task about this. Because there was people there saying, hey, we've been fasting. The Lord hasn't, hasn't seen us. And God responds back, I have seen you. I've seen a lot more than you wanted me to see. This is my paraphrase of Isaiah 58. He's like, I see the way you treat your, your employees. I see, I see the way you treat the least fortunate, and I'm not fooled because you fast. Don't use this week of prayer and fasting to cover over secret sins. I, I gave a sermon one time talking about the sacrifices we make, and I was tying it to the time when Saul made a sacrifice instead of waiting for Samuel. And Samuel tells him, obedience is better than sacrifice. Some people will try to fast them way, themselves out of obedience. God is not fooled. Fasting is not a means by coercing God to doing something that he's not otherwise inclined to do. It's about relationship with him. It is the ache in our heart that says, I need you. I love you more than food, more than breath, more than water. God doesn't have ADD. And just because you're fasting six out of seven days does not mean he is going to overlook an area you are being willfully disobedient in. The purpose of fasting is a large topic. Fasting isn't commanded in the Bible. It's more like an extra blessing we get. Instead of a command we are, we are or we're not following, I'm going to talk about some of the reasons for fasting from the scriptures before I get into the scripture today and the reason why we are fasting this week. One, one uh, reason people fasted in scripture was, um, was for repentance. Jonah the prophet... Jonah was a prophet. Da, da, da. Um, he went to Nineveh, and he finally was obedient to the Lord. And he tells them, in so many days, this, this place is going down. He doesn't even tell them to repent. But they do repent in sackcloth and ashes. And they fast. They didn't fast to punish themselves. They fast because they were so overwhelmed of their own sinfulness. It's like they're screaming to God, we need you. We don't even know our right hand from the left. And God relents. And Jonah his response is, I know you would do this. And he has so much anger and hatred in his heart for the Ninevites. I knew you would do this because you are a God who is rich in mercy. One reason people um, um, took on a fast in the Bible was out of repentance. And really, maybe this is more in line with the next one I'm going to talk about, which is distress and grief. In the book of Nehemiah, in the first few verses, Nehemiah talks about hearing about the gates and the walls of Jerusalem as they are broken down, and he is filled with anguish, and he fasts. And the king sees that his spirit is downcast. What would it be like for us to be broken in spirit over the walls of this nation of the church of our own lives that have been broken down. Things that we would have never let in 10 years ago are being celebrated today, even within people who say that they're Bible-believing communities. What would it be like for us to have an anguish about that that we couldn't even eat? I remember one time I was, I was, I was just a helper in a youth ministry, and some of our kids were falling into such terrible sin. I didn't think even about fasting. I just didn't eat because I was so broken in spirit. And I pray, Lord God, God, our, our youth group is, has such sin in it that's not even common amongst the Gentiles. There's a fast that would be then for those to come to repentance, to come to faith in Jesus Christ, for the walls to be rebuilt. You know the word shalom that's in Hebrew that you'll hear? It means peace, of course, but what it literally means is a wall that has no flaw. What, what Nehemiah wanted for, for Jerusalem was for shalom to come back, for shalom had been taken because of sin, because of disobedience, for shalom to come back to Israel. The next three I'm going to talk about really are what we're talking about in our scripture text today. It's New Testament reasons for fasting, and that is in the area of worship. In the area of worship. Anna, the prophet in the second chapter of Luke, where we find the Christmas story, 
She is described as a godly woman. She is described as a woman who worshiped God, and she worshiped God by fasting. We take away food, fun, and other things so that in their absence, we revel in the presence of our God and King. When I fast and when I get those early hunger pains, that's my like little like, like notification on your phone. It's like, time to pray, time to praise, time to worship. That's one reason for that, because fasting is about joy. It's not about morbidity. It's not a work, but it is a joy to take part in, in that we tell those things when we fast, and we can fast more than just food. We do have a couple examples of people fasting more than food in the scripture, or being told about fasting things other than food as well. But whatever we fast, what we're saying to that thing is, this is good, this is great, but I love Jesus more. We fast for wisdom. Paul and Barnabas in Acts chapter 14, the next chapter, will fast and they will pray when it comes to appointing elders of the churches before committing them to the Lord for his service. Sometimes we come up against something and we just don't know what to do. You know, there's several paths and they all look good. and We're not sure what we want to do. We're not sure what would be the right thing. A great idea is to fast a couple meals, dedicate that to the Lord because God can bring us clarity in those moments. We also have fasting as a preparation for ministry. The captain of our salvation, Jesus Christ, fasted for 40 days in the desert before he started his earthly ministry. But we don't just see this with Christ. In our scripture today, we have several believers getting together to fast and to pray. And they hear from the Holy Spirit who sends them out to proclaim the gospel. Once again, fasting being the exclamation point at the end of the sentence, I need you. And New Testament fasting is the desire of the believer to see the kingdom of our great bridegroom come to this earth. Preparation for ministry, in preparation for ministry, this year um, around August, and this is probably the way I'm just going to be doing it from now on, the vision casting will happen at, at the beginning of the fall because I think, my opinion, I think school kind of sets the tone for the year. You know, you have everybody buckling down, getting back to things. Summer's over. It's August. Um, you got fall, winter, spring, and then summer. People just kind of do their own thing. So I set my vision in August in the fall. And this year, the vision for the church was that we would be greater disciples and make disciples. And that is the purpose of the fast for this week, is that we grow greater in our discipleship and that we are fasting and as a way of preparation for ministry to send you like Paul and Barnabas were sent into their out into the world. I'm sending you into your communities, your families, your schools, your workplaces to proclaim the gospel. Pastor Paul Washer, I mentioned before, said a person who can truly fast is a person who truly has a passion for the bridegroom and the advancement of the bridegroom's kingdom. So today as I dive into the scripture in Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. I want to talk about how fasting brings clarity. It's a part of worship, and it's relational. Let's start off with it brings clarity. It is the practice of the early church. Our scripture today has an assumption with it. It's the same assumption Jesus had when he talked about fasting in, in the gospel of Matthew. It was when you fast, not if you fast. There was an assumption that when people got together, when his people got together, they would fast. Um, our scripture today has an assumption with it that when believers came together, part of it was to pray and to fast. Fasting was a practice of the early church. It was assumed the people were fasting. In fact, I assume that you are fasting in your own personal lives for various reasons. And if you're not, this is a great introduction for it. It was a moment of clarity that though about whose they were. They didn't follow Jesus because it was popular. In fact, the church was about to enter into a time of severe persecution. When Emperor Nero takes power in, in Rome, there is a great fire in Rome, the city of Rome, and he blames it on Christians. He then persecutes them greatly. They did not become Christians because they were popular. They did not follow Jesus because he was popular. Fasting reminds us that Jesus is better than bread. He is better than life. It was Jesus in the desert after his fast saying to Satan, man shall not live by bread alone. In Matthew chapter 10, verses 37 and 38, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy, worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. The clarity that fasting brings is this. 
I love Jesus more than fill in the blank. More than father or mother, more than son or daughter, more than my own happiness or self-fulfillment, because Jesus is my fulfillment. C.S. Lewis said, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink, sex, ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who goes on making mud pies in a slum because, we, because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday by the sea. We are far too easily pleased. And fasting helps us. It gives us clarity to not be too easily pleased. It brings into focus the greater joys that God has meant us for. You know, you see this, you know, we're going to be fasting from media this next week, so you better not see it this week. But you see this with all the reality shows of the, you know, it's really the lifestyles of the rich and famous repackaged. You know, all these people who have all these shows, they're, they're unbelievably wealthy and bored with their lives. So they drum up drama. Like, I can't even watch, like, the stupid, like, trailers for these shows that they put in those YouTube advertisements, like The Real Housewives or where, wherever. It's like, it's just lifestyles of rich and famous. This is rich people's problems. They're so bored with their life, they have to drum up drama. That, that, that what fasting brings into our focus is that there is greater joys in this world can give us. That our chief joy is that of relationship with Jesus Christ. The gospel simply is, I get Jesus and Jesus is enough. Some of you maybe had a year like this in 2021 where everything was stripped away and you found out when all I had was Jesus, Jesus was enough. I can think of times in my life where I had almost absolutely nothing and it was times of greater joy than, than times where I had an abundance. One prayer, uh, one Irish prayer is that God would bless us with enough. In our, chief, in our chief, chief joy, we find greater joys than the joys of the flesh. We find that the fruit of the Spirit are not a burden and it is not sour, but it is an exquisite banquet. That love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control are not sour fruit, but sweet fruit. That the psalmist wasn't lying when he wrote, better is one day in God's court than thousands elsewhere. That it is all part, of, that is all part of the blessing of fasting. It is a lived reality. Jesus said, man shall not live on bread alone. I bet you know this verse and you can quote it back to me, but you don't really know this verse until you've lived this verse. Fasting is a very controlled way of us doing this. Of course, we're not in a famine in which, I mean, literally, we don't know our next meal is coming. We're deciding for a portion of time, maybe just one meal a day. I'm not going to eat for this meal. And I realized just in that time that I really don't live on bread alone. I really live by the word of God. When I fast, I want, um, when I want to eat something, no one will stop me. It's not even necessarily, necessarily a sin to break the fast, but if I really want to know what it truly means to not live by bread alone, I use self-control, the fruit of the Spirit, and I say, I will endure because of the joy of Christ in me. What fasting does is it is an enemy against the sin of gluttony. Last year, I did a series on the seven deadly sins. Whenever I do a series on this, I always kind of get uh, certain comments about different ones. And about gluttony, it's an interesting one because people will tell me off, often, it's like, you know, pastors don't really preach on gluttony. I'm like, why do you think that is? Probably because a lot of them deal with gluttony. I was like, well, that's really wrong for me to come up here and talk about your sins and not mine as though I'm perfect and I walk on water above all of you. When I talked about the sin of gluttony, I, I, I purposely did it on the, on the week that we had a communion. In fact, this week we were supposed to have communion, but I wanted to wait for next week because I'm calling you to fast this week and for next week to have the Lord's table. Because when I did my thing on the Lord's, when I did my sermon on the sin of gluttony, I had the Lord's table, which is communion, and then I had a table with McDonald's food on it. And I asked, which do you look to to satisfy you? to fill you up. One of the things that fasting does, especially a fast, not only just on food, but on electronics as well, it's emptying us out of the things that we put inside of us to numb ourselves. 
that we fill ourselves up. We are so busy with all these things, kind of like that guy on that, that thing with his phone, can't last a minute without his phone. My wife is going to love this. I know Becca's watching back there because I'm on my phone more than a 14-year-old girl. Um, and, my, and my wife always gets at me. So I'm, not, I'm like, other, than, fo- other than, than calls and texts, no phone time. So those things fill us up. But when we take some time to empty ourselves out, then God can fill us with what he wants to fill us with. That it's truly him that satisfies us. That's the clarity that fasting brings. That was the assumption of the early church. When we come together, we are going to pray and fast. It is also a part of worship. One of the easiest conclusions to draw from the text is that fasting was just a part of the way the early church worshipped. So many times they didn't proclaim a fast. They just, um, that is just something people did. It's because the fasting is a part of worship. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual and some of translations are as acceptable act of worship. There are many different definitions of what worship is. The Bible describes it as sacrifice. That is why I say that if worship doesn't change you, you didn't worship. You sang songs. If fasting doesn't change you, you just didn't eat food. If giving doesn't change you, you just gave money. But if you do so as unto the Lord, you do so as a sacrifice of praise, a sacrifice of physical offering, a sacrifice, well, this week it'll be food of entertainment. Well, that is something that changes us because it is our spiritual act of worship. We become a living sacrifice. It also brings to us sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. So we know that fasting was part of their worship, but why? I think in the text, it tells us very, very plainly. When they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said. So they got together, they prayed in the fast, then the Holy Spirit said. Not the Holy Spirit said, then they prayed and fast. They prayed and they fast before and after. It gives us a certain sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. You ever wonder why? Why am I not connecting with the Holy Spirit? Why don't I feel like God is speaking to me? It's like I'm shouting in the darkness. I'm just, my prayers are just bouncing off the wall. Maybe it's because you have too much corrosion on the connectors. Let me tell you what I mean. I, I went out this last summer. Um, we had this fan for camping. So I go out and I find, the, I find the fan and I find out I did a really boneheaded thing. I left the batteries in from last year. Oops, that's right. You know what happened, right? The battery acid leaked out all over the connectors. So not only are the batteries toast, but now I have a big problem. It's like, this thing isn't going to work? I put in new batteries. It's not working. It's because there's too much corrosion around the connectors. There can't be a connection made to to bring energy to the fan. So what I had to do, I grabbed a wire brush, scraped off the corrosion. Connection was made. When we fast, we kind of clear out all the corrosion, all the things that the things that the world has tried to put in our life to, to make us deaf and blind to the leading of the Holy Spirit. One of the things that fasting does, if we allow God to do it, that is, is he will brush off the corrosion so that a connection can be made again. Clean up the mess, scratch off the gunk, so that the Holy Spirit, so we can hear the Holy Spirit again. Fasting does that. It cleans off the cares of this life when accompanied by deep prayer. By the way, fasting has to be accompanied with prayer, with deep prayer. We hear from the Holy Spirit. It's like that new battery. You can make that connection again. It's also done in humility. You'll notice the saints, they don't go into the town square, this town square, sorry, town square to hold their time of prayer and fasting so everybody knows what they are doing they don't cover themselves with ashes they don't do that they don't do that they just meet together privately to fast and to pray during our week of prayer and fasting don't go around all dejected making sure people know here's a big thing too watch your attitude when you when you fast watch your attitude when you fast because you're going to find things that the holy spirit's going to bring out in you that were always there See, it's easy to be nice to people when we're well-fed, when we've gotten enough sleep, when all the cares in life are being met, because we're being propped up by those things. But get a bill you can't pay. Skip a few meals. Get a little, get a little less sleep. All of a sudden, don't mess with me, I'm hangry. And we'll say, that's not me. Yeah, it is. That's just you being stripped away of all the niceties of this world. And the Holy Spirit's going to bring up the true you 
He doesn't want you to wallow in self-pity at that point, but to offer it as a living sacrifice unto the King of kings and the Lord of lords, because he paid for it with his blood. Finally, it's relational. It's relational. We see here, verse 3, when then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. We see a certain camaraderie, a certain fellowship that is happening within fasting. The last aspect of the test I want to draw out is the relational aspect of fasting. It's personal. Oh yeah, it's very personal. In fact, this first week is going to be, this first day, I mean, is talking about um, going to ourselves and asking the Lord, search me, find me if there's any unclean thing. Fasts are declared as well. They are corporate. This is a corporate fast. They are also between a few believers like we see in the text here. It is relational to God. Nothing we do in Christianity, nothing we do in our faith in Jesus Christ is ritual, it's relationship. Nothing is ritual, it's relationship, including fasting, including praying in Jesus' name. That was the first thing I thought about this because sometimes we'll, we'll decry so much of maybe different denominations or different things in the world, but then we use the name of Jesus like it's a magic spell. I probably need to preach on this again, maybe once every three months. When we pray in the name of Jesus, we are praying in the presence of Christ according to his will in a relationship with him. It's not to try to twist his arm to make him do something he doesn't want to do. Praying in the name of Jesus is very much like somebody saying, I come to you in the name of Caesar. If you didn't have a right to say that, it didn't matter what you said. But not only that, you had to do something according to Caesar's will. If you're like, in the name of Caesar, give me all your money, then somebody who has a, who's a greater title than you will bring you to an account. You had to have a personal relationship. You had to have a relationship with Caesar, but you also, not a personal relationship, but a special relationship. And you had to ask things according to Caesar's will. We ask things according to God's will because we have a personal relationship with him. But let me get into this right here. It is a personal relationship with God, and that is what fasting is about. It's a relationship. It's the exclamation point. Let's go back to that definition from Piper. Fasting being the exclamation point at the end of the sentence, I need you. This is the heart of a fast the Lord accepts. The people of Nineveh, in their ignorance... With their fast, scream to the Lord, we need you. We don't know our right hand from our left. We need you. When you read about people in the scripture, I don't believe there's any heroes in the scripture. There's just one hero, and there's a lot of other people screaming to him, I need you. I'm not good enough on my own. We look at David who kills the giant, who's king over Israel, but he fails. He fails quite a few times and badly. He's a man after God's own heart because his heart, his life was about, I need you. The disciples didn't fast because Jesus was with them. Today, even though the Holy Spirit is with us, we fast and we say, we need you. And we agree with the, with the, with the statement from the end of Revelations, come Lord Jesus, come. No wonder the Holy Spirit answers the believers in Acts chapter 13. It's his heart to convict the world of guilt in regard to sin, judgment, and righteousness. And it is his heart to guide us into all truth and to make Jesus Christ famous. And if their purpose gathering together was to make Christ famous, the Holy Spirit wants to speak into that, into that moment. For a believer to enter into prayer with that on their heart and to fast from food or other things, the Holy Spirit sees an empty vessel instead of one filled to the brim of the cares of this life. It says much more than I need you. It says I need you more. I was looking at a, uh, I was looking at a worship song to do for this day, today, and I was going to ask Josh to do it. I decided not to. Um, it was one that I heard when I was out on an <clears throat> errand, probably grocery shopping. The chorus goes like this. Um, I need you like, I need you like water, like breath, like rain. I need you like mercy from heaven's gate. There's a freedom in your arms that carries me through. I need you. I was like, that is great. That is the heart of what I'm talking about. So I look it up online and it's not a worship song. It's not about Jesus at all. It's about some dude because it was written and performed by Leanne Rimes, the country music superstar. Some of you already knew that before I even got to that. So I didn't call up Josh and asking him for us to do that song today. But I thought the words of it, when you apply it to the Lord, when you apply it to fasting, really mean a lot. I need you like water, like breath, like rain. 
I need you like mercy from heaven's gate. That is my heart in everything I do, right? Not just fasting, everything we do. It's that desperation of I need him. I need the Lord in my life. I need him more and more and more. I heard someone just say that Christ best means Christ more, more of Christ. I don't know if that's actually true in the, uh, in the Latin that it comes from, um, but works for me. I need Christmas every day. I need Christ more and more and more. That's the relationship of fasting with Christ, with the Lord, with God, is I need him more and more and more, more than the next breath, more than food, more than these things. It also is about a relationship with others. They didn't just come to pray to the, pray by themselves, fast by themselves. They came together, fasted, and they prayed. It centers us <coughs> with God's will for us in prayer towards one another. Fast and pray for an enemy. If you do, I bet you will find the command of Jesus to love your enemies a little easier. The interruption of that fasting produces in us what God's will for us is in prayer that we love our enemies, bless those who persecute us. It causes us to see that our enemy isn't flesh and blood. This week, as you fast, maybe one day when it's fasting for our community, which is Wednesday, think of somebody, maybe you don't think of them as an enemy, but somebody gets on your nerves. Now, thanks to news, thanks to social media, they've really made us experts in that. So perhaps if you're from a certain political point of view, it might be President Biden. It might be AOC. If you're from a different one, maybe it's Ted Cruz. To somebody who gets on your nerves, fast and pray for them, that they would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. You know, as pastors, we always talk about praying for our president when it's a president we like, and then we're really quiet when it's a president we don't like. There's not been a president I haven't prayed for. Ones I like, ones I don't like. If the, the ones I like, I pray for because I don't know if they know Jesus Christ. And neither do you, neither does anybody else. Maybe they even have a testimony, but you don't know their heart. And ones I don't like, I pray for the same thing. And it's hard for me to hate the person when I pray for them. You'll find that. It's hard for you to hate for somebody you pray for. We gain more compassion and em- empathy. Fasting and praying together causes us to be more compassionate towards each other, each other too. They suffer as we suffer. This is truly an act of the Holy Spirit. He causes us to love each other deeply, for love covers over a multitude of sins. I wonder how many church splits have been avoided due to prayer and fasting. And I also wonder how many church splits could have been avoided if the people who had the issues with each other came together, prayed, and fasted towards one another. I'll talk with churches sometimes who have gone through a bad church split. And you'll hear about all these horrific things people did to each other. And so many people, they have so many wounds from church. And I'll ask the person, did the person ever, did the person even see you as a human being made in the image of God? They're like, no, no, they just saw me as the enemy. Speaking with one pastor, they criticized every little thing about him. They brought up his kids. They brought up everything that you wouldn't do like, if you were, like, one-on-one with somebody, unless you expected them to punch you in the face, but because in church it was okay, apparently. And, like, did they ever consider that you are also a child of God made in the image of God? And they're like, no, no, I don't think they did. I don't think they saw me as a human being at all. What would it have been like to come together to pray in the fast, to pray over one another, to lay our hands on each other? I don't think that's an absolute. Sometimes, I mean, there, there's people in Scripture, they just couldn't get along, and they had to separate. That's okay. But I wonder how many church splits could have been avoided if the people came together to lay hands on one another. It's also towards one another in sending each other out for ministry. That is what we see in Acts chapter 13, 1 through 3. It is the sending out of Barnabas and Saul. Um, here we come to the conclusion of verse 3. And the reason this year, as we proclaim a fast for our church, the Lord has sent us out. I'm believing that... that uh, that new doors of evangelism will open up during this week or because of this week for you personally. Like I said before, the vision for this year has been becoming greater disciples and making disciples. And I believe that's what God's going to do. God did not give me the job of doing all the ministry in this church, but to equip you for the work of the ministry. 
I, I am so thrilled when I hear about Bible studies in your homes. That's fantastic. I don't get all like, well, that should be done here. No, I want you to do the ministry. You know, it's very easy. It'd be very easy for me to just do all the ministry in this church. One, I like doing ministry. That's why I'm a pastor. Some pastors don't like doing ministry. I don't know what they're doing. I love doing ministry, but how does that grow you as a people? I mean, I could do Wednesday nights. I could do Sunday mornings. Bible study I have in the past. It really wasn't that big of a deal at all. But I am not, it is not given to me to do all the ministry in this church, but to equip you for the ministry, to equip you for evangelism. And one of the tools I want to put into your toolbox is fasting and prayer, that you would make a practice of fasting in your life. Not just when I call a fast, but in your life, something is coming up and you are going to fast over that. Not to try to force God's, twist God's arm to doing what you want him to do, but it's like, I'm going to get right with the Lord on this. I want his very heart. And in that time, when you do that, you start hearing from the Holy Spirit. Fantastic. Here's the third one. Personally, becoming a living sacrifice. Day one of this fast, I'm asking you to focus on you personally. It's a, it's a really scary kind of an idea. We talk about that often, you know, talking to the Lord and asking him, search me, find any unclean thing. What if he really does it? And it's something you're not ready to deal with. During this fast, God's going to bring some things up to your mind, up to the forefront, and you're going to have to deal with it. That's one of the things that fasting does, because fasting should come out of a lifestyle from the scriptures and devotion in prayer. And one of the things the scripture does, one of the things all the spiritual disciplines does, is it holds up a mirror to us. Now, in the, in the book and uh, in the movie, it was first a movie, then they made a book. But I can say book, so I don't feel so nerdy and childish. But the never-ending story. I bet a lot of you saw that movie. You remember the certain gates to get to the Southern Oracle? The first one's the Sphinx, and the Sphinx kills you if you don't know your own worth. And then, like, the second one, though, if you think too highly of yourself, it sends you running away scared. And that is the mirror. Because the mirror doesn't show you as you think you are or as the you you project to everybody else, it shows you who you truly are. You know, like if you think you're brave, you're some alpha male, it might show you that you're weak and a coward. If you think you are some pious, holy person, fasting will reveal in you how base you truly are. And that is something not to wallow in, but to bring to the Lord as a living sacrifice so that he remakes us in the image of Jesus Christ. It reveals in us the fruit of the Spirit. Eating, um, fasting also gives us an opportunity to show the fruit of the spirit of self-control. It's about taking up our cross. Fasting on its own means very little. When accompanied by prayer and a pliable heart, it is a physical reminder of what we did when we first repented and put our faith in Jesus Christ. We took up our cross and we followed him, that our life is not our own, that we now live according to the pleasure of our God and Savior. You know, the amazing thing, though, is God wants better things for us than we'd ever want for ourselves. He wants to give us much more. It's, it's one of the paradoxes in Scripture. Instead of focusing on myself and my own self-esteem, I esteem him, and then I know my true worth. And it's a worth that nobody else can take away. People can say all kinds of things about me, but the cross is something much worse. That my sin was so bad, it took God himself to die for me. And if he's the one who dies for me, who gets to set my worth? Not me. It doesn't matter how I feel in the moment. It doesn't matter what my failures are or, or, or are not. But it's in him. And because if it's in him, it can't be taken away. It's taking up my cross and following him. It's also a pepper, preparation for ministry. It personally prepares us for ministry. You have a ministry right now. Are you living it or neglecting it? My job is to prepare you for the work of the ministry, not to do your ministry for you. This is one of, the, one of the tools in your toolbox I wish to give you. Closing the, in closing, I'll have the worship team come up here. Once again, I want to remind you, fasting, what it does for us is it gives us clarity, what truly is important in our life. It is an aspect that we should, we should institute in our worship. Every so often, and once again, this isn't a law. I'm not going to say, hey, every month, one day out of the month or you're in trouble. I'm not going to go around and making sure everybody's fasting this week. I've been told, I heard from a, a missionary that uh, in Lebanon during Ramadan, people will go around. Ramadan is a Muslim holy day in which you are to fast from sunup to sundown. And they will go around and they'll have people open up their mouth and show them their tongue. And if their tongue's clean, they know they've broken the fast because if they've been fasting, their tongue should be white. I don't know why they think that. I don't know if that's even true. I'm like, 
Oh, that's extreme. Our missionary, Tim Meckard, who, uh, um, over, who is uh, ministering over in Indonesia, told me that uh, the really hardcore people during Ramadan, you'd be seeing them, they'd be spitting all day because you couldn't even swallow all your own spit. I'm like, I don't know how you function if you don't do that, but whatever. That's not what it's about. It's not about being legalistic. You know, people, when I even talk about fasting, they'll be like, well, is, is uh, drinking a smoothie okay? It's okay with me if it's okay with you. I'm not your master. The Lord's your master. And if your conscience bothers you about it and you're saying that you're fasting, but you're doing something you don't feel is fasting, then, then adjust. But even just taking one thing away that you really enjoy, like let's say you really love pop. And that was me for, for the longest time. I really loved Dr. Pepper. I always had to have a Dr. Pepper every single day, every like three times a day. And then when God dealt with me on gluttony and I was, I was done with, like, with that, with sweets and all those things, um, it was it was a huge surprise to me how how that taking that away added in more devotion to the Lord. Fasting isn't about self punishment. Don't fast this week because you ate too much last week. Can I say that again? Don't fast this week because you ate too much last week. You're like, well, this is a good thing because man, I ate all the Christmas cookies, Pastor Jason. I need a week of fasting. It's not about that, and that's a really kind of unhealthy way of seeing our health to punish ourselves, hurt ourselves, because we're doing something bad. Christ was pierced for our transgressions. He was wounded for our inequities, not you. It's about joy. So the challenge, one meal a day for five days. We're off electronics, um, unless it's for work. But most importantly, more than all these things, if you don't do any of those things, fine. But pray this week. Pray this week. I don't know if there's ever been a time in our nation in our city, in our families' lives, in our lives, that we need more prayer. To focus on the author and founder of our faith, to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and founder of our faith, more than this year. I'll probably say that next year, too, because it's always true. Will you please join us in our final song? During this, it's, it'd be a great time in your own heart to set in your own heart what your goals are for this week. Maybe it will just be one meal, and to be off electronics, maybe it'll just be something laser-focused. Like, like I said before, pop. I'm not doing pop, not only just for five days, I'm not doing pop this whole month or whatever you're deciding. I'll let the Holy Spirit speak to you. I won't, I won't try to be the Holy Spirit in your life here. But I'm trusting the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you during this final song. Would you please join us as we sing? <laughs>